And we are live. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, everybody, wherever you may be tuning in. Hello and welcome to another Collective Hotelier Pulse live session, this being the 30th edition of the report. Goodness me, 30th edition, that's quite impressive. Today we've got a great guest joining us, but before I bring them in, I want to introduce my co-host for today, Rita Machado, and Rita is representing Guest Centric and also uh, joining us today in replacing of Pedro, who normally joins us from Guest Centric. Unfortunately, Pedro is unable to join due to travel requirements and schedules, but Rita's kindly put her hand up and stepped up for the occasion, so Rita... It's great to have you here and to have your expert input for today's session. Thanks for thanks for being here. How are you? Thank you. All good. All good. Thank you, Andre. Thank you, everyone, for joining in. It is a responsibility, the 30th edition. If anyone has any bright ideas on what to do with this number, please feel free to share. And, <laughs> um, and yeah, we're really excited to be here. It's We've Excellent. come a long way since the beginning. We have. It's, it's fantastic. It's very, very good. Okay, so let's bring in now our very special guest, someone who I have tremendous respect and time for, Mr. Rajesh Vora. Rajesh is uh, the owner and director of Sarova Hotels. Um, they have four properties and an overall estate of 600 bedrooms and two health clubs, with its head office based in the Rembrandt Hotel in Knightsbridge. Uh, Rajesh heads up the day-to-day -day commercial departments for the company, um, has an impeccable career of 30 years in the industry. Rajesh, it's great to have you joining us. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> it's great to have you here. How are you? I'm great, thank you. I didn't realize until I looked at sort of the camera quite how thin and gray my hair is, but clearly 30 <laughs> years has paid it, has taken its toll. So there you go. Well, you're doing much better than me, let me tell you. <laughs> All right, very good. So, look, before we get started, for everybody as well, just a reminder that Lee is going to put the links into the 30th report into the chat session for those of you who would like to download it and have a look at it at a later time. And also, if you're a hotelier and would like to take part in the next survey for the report, um, Leah will also add the link for that so that you can get that. So please make sure you check those out and, um, yeah, get involved if you're a hotelier. It's, it's great to get your input and to have your, uh, your contributions to them because the more we have, the richer it is. Okay, so Rita, let's get started. Um, we've got the report. So what highlights do you have for us before we get started with uh, the meaty parts and the questions for Rajesh and for, for the conversation? Right. Well, um this report, as with um, everything we do at Guest Centric, is based on our own um, portfolio of hotels. We've got about 500 hotels in this uh, portfolio, so representative of um, pretty much around the world. Um, so just in general, we can see stays and demand have stabilized and they're still above 2019. And the best news, as far as we're concerned, because uh, a lot of people already have data on September on October, is that January pickup is starting at a great level. So, um, which explains that optimism that we are seeing. Cancellations are carrying on their good, good path to improvement, which is great for revenue management in our hotels. And that explains this optimism ahead of winter. Um, the ADR expectations are still high for 23, so um, we haven't seen the drop in ADR that some of us had heard about or feared. And as far as we're concerned, because we are very uh, strong advocates of direct bookings, 
Um, we can see that they're still growing, so it didn't stop with the pandemic. And um, number two uh, priority for hotels is the sustainability across all market segments. Yeah. And another brilliant piece of news fresh here in October is the meetings and events demand that have that suddenly surged in Q3. So all in all, we're really quite happy. Yeah, with, that's that's um, a good uh, a good indicator and a good sign regarding the mice yeah. section, isn't it? Very good. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Rajesh, just moving across to you now, October 22 has basically shown a spike in the industry's optimism for business performance over the coming year, following around three months of decline since July of this year. So as we approach winter and move into 2023, why do you think we're seeing this shift and, and how optimistic do you feel about business performance over the next 12 months generally? Wow. Well, how optimistic is a is a very uh, it's a curate sex. So we'll probably I'm sure we'll come to many things, many factors that are involved in that. So I won't cast too much about that at the, at, from the beginning. But I mean, why do I think that there's been um, this confidence? I mean, it's quite clear that travelers are no longer um, concerned about traveling from a safety point of view. If I look at if I can sit in my reservations office, which I do from time to time and talk to them about what they hear from on the phones. Nobody is asking about safety measures and, and you know, and uh, worried about, um, you know, how, how the, you know, whether electrostatic cleaning is taking place or whether there are sanitizer stations, whether people are concerned or not, they certainly are not asking about it. Um, so that's one. I think the reliability of travel is, has now got over that, that hump we had in the summer. I think that's probably why there was a lack of confidence through the summer that actually, you know, you couldn't open a newspaper for a photograph of a, of three million bags parked at, a, at an airport lounge somewhere, all all only being found by air tags that people had secreted in their bags, so they could find out where the travel was, yeah. um, their luggage was. Um, I think you know the weakness from a European point of view, the, the weakness of the European currencies has clearly helped. You know the euro yeah. and um, have, you know most of the world thinks in dollars. Um, <laughs> And uh, the euro and uh, the and the sterling weakness means that European travel certainly has been has been really boosted by that, and we've seen again a lot of certainly transatlantic traffic, which has been yeah. incredibly you know. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you know I think you know the the confidence thing has has, has reflected in the in one of the things that we see is the indicator is in the the rate codes that are booked. Uh, yeah. You know, if I compare. Um, uh, our advanced purchase, which is sort of you know, non-cancellable, non-changeable, versus flex, um, we're now at fifty percent of you know of the 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 volume of of, of non-cancellable is now fifty percent of the flexible rate. This time last year was at ten, fifteen. Uh, so clearly, people think they, the travel plans are secure. Their ability to get there is secure. They are not going to worry about uh, you know about um, safety and those things. And I think all of that feeds yeah, into into confidence yeah generally yeah. sounds like there's just more confidence overall doesn't it yeah yeah and that optimistic um barometer that we run every month we did have a dip in september um as you could see and now it's it's clearly up again so um people are a lot more confident both from the hotelier side and from the client side and the reality is that booked adr both in euros and in in the US dollars, so for our hotels in US dollars, clearly um, keeping up the momentum. 
Um, in the case of the US, they're probably just matching inflation, but they did start off from a much higher rate. Um, whereas if you look at the European um, portfolio, the rates were lower last year and they've just climbed up massively this year. So I would imagine, uh, Rajesh, that the UK is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah, I mean, if anything, I think the, the, the pound has taken more of a hammering against the dollar yeah. than even the euro. Uh, yeah. So uh, it has yeah. it has recently, hasn't it? But I, I, do you think is that a is there a feeling or a sentiment in the UK that that's only temporary, given the change of of leadership in government and also the fact that there was that announcement about the 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 tax breaks that they were going to reduce? I mean, effectively, that's what started that, right? So, do you well, feel, is there is there a sentiment that that might change? I mean, you know, the only thing we know for sure is that absolutely, absolutely uh, nothing is clear about UK politics or UK economics today. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's an absolute shambles, a uh, laughingstock of the, of the entire planet. And that makes, you know, makes planning any business very, very difficult. Um, I don't right. know if it's short term. I think, I, th I think we kind of knew that um, interest rates were going to have to rise. Um, I think we kind of knew that our economy was not as strong as the US, so it wouldn't have grown by as much. So I think to an extent, what's happened was probably always on the cards, but it's happened in a very truncated time. Yeah. You know, over the space of 14 days, let's call it or whatever. Yeah, it was very I think quick. Very, very quick. Whereas I think, you know, um, to an extent, um, uh, you know, we were always expecting there to be something like this. And I think, you know, sadly for, for UK economy, I suspect this is not short run. I'm sure we'll come to that later on, but I don't think yeah. this is a, a short run thing at all. Yeah, well, it, it kind of leads into my next question, because, I mean, obviously, despite, despite the inflation concerns from the report, it seems that the majority of hoteliers continue to expect that the ADR will increase over the next 12 months. Yep, um, do you agree with that forecast? And in your opinion, what should hotels consider for their pricing strategies moving into winter? Well, if I knew that, then I'd be paid a lot more money than I am. Um, <laughs> I, I, do I expect ADRs to remain strong? Yes. Um, I think because, frankly, um, given the uh, inflation uh, horizon that we're dealing with, um, we have to, we, the, the marginal cost of, of sale has become significantly important, you know, and I think if we're, hoteliers are realistic uh, with themselves, we kind of always had this opinion that once you get past the baseline of cost, everything else that you sell goes straight to the bottom line. And so if you have to take a discount, it's okay, because actually it's still profitable. Well, that just isn't true anymore. I mean, not even close, um, you know, and so, you know, we spend a lot of time worrying now about the, the marginal cost of sale. Yeah. And it's no longer two sets of towels, a set of bed sheets, and a shampoo bottle, right? It is significantly, significantly important now. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we are happily leaving multiple parts of the hotel empty for extended periods because if you can't sell it profitably, just don't sell it at all. Yeah. And another, you know, another thing that's you know that, that comes into all of that is. We're trying to protect the sanity of our staff. Our staff are having to work significantly harder than they've ever worked. You know, I'm sure, you know, everybody knows how difficult employment is and, and finding people is. And so you know, even if we want to find people, we can't. And if we can find them, they're very expensive. So we have to have less of them to do the same roles because they, it's not economic. And so for the staff that we have, they really, really are under, under extreme duress. Um, and so, you know, it's better to let them rest and not to give them that extra job 
than to set than to give them a job which only gives a very marginal rate of return. Yeah. So yes, right. and that's a, the long way of saying yes. I do think ADR is going to remain protected, yeah. and it's because not because of market demand so much as as cost plus pricing, right. which is not the way that we've normally priced in the historically. Yeah, I think we've also seen the shift in channels through the pandemic, and it's carrying on. Um, and we see in our portfolio, obviously, we're a hotel tech company, so clearly, our hotels believe in in pushing direct bookings with our booking engine and website. But the reality is, they've uh, increased their share of direct bookings by ten percentage points, and that's not going away. And with uh, increased profitability. And I can see that Sarova does the same because I did check your website. And yes, it is very well positioned um, comparatively to the OTAs. And clearly that's where our margin lies. So I agree with Rajesh that it, it's a case that hotels just can't afford to lower their ADRs because inflation plus energy plus HR costs are proportionally uh, larger for hotels. So um, you know, they just can't afford it. Everyone is looking at uh, distribution channels and costing them and being very, very careful who they work with um, yeah. and I, with what rates. So I heard an interview with Michael O'Leary, who's the chief executive yep. of Ryanair, which is the number one budget airline in, in Europe. And he said that, you know, to an extent, the end of cheap, cheap travel has ended for yeah. the foreseeable future. And I think cheap hotels have similarly ended for foreseeable future. Exactly. Not that they won't return at some point, but I think for the, the, the next near 12, 24 month horizon, that isn't going to be an option. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that the cheap travel component, I saw that as well. And I thought to myself, it's, it's, it's clear because there's just no way they can sustain the prices that they were sustaining before. And because they don't have the volume anymore, it just doesn't make any sense. But I feel that it is slightly different from a hotel's perspective because of the fact you've got budget type of properties that I think can still benefit from, from offering that. It's just whether or not people are going to be, if the demand is there. Um, but I think what's important is that they main, maintain the, the rates that they did if they could before going into this crisis. Yeah. Um, and as, as Rita, you said, it's very prudent to, to recognize the fact that energy costs are increasing, all costs, essentially all utility all costs. costs have gone up tremendously. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's something that I know is affecting a lot of hotels, especially here in Germany as well, you know, with yeah. um, energy prices. And many hotels, I think, are really, really concerned about the winter moving forward. So, by the way, if we have any German hoteliers listening and you'd like to comment on that, please leave us a comment. I'd really love to hear feedback and yeah. get your perspective on that yeah. um, because it is, it is um, a, a very, very, um, I wouldn't say concerning, but it's a very important thing for, for everyone Hot to consider. Topic. So rates have to hold, if not yeah, actually. They have up. to hold. I think, I think we finally reached that watershed that very successful destinations achieved a couple of years ago. And I think everyone has realized um, that it just can't go any further. On the other hand, we find hotels, uh, investing heavily in technology. So um, as a counterpoint to HR costs, at least for very um, repetitive tasks of a less added value, to be able to focus on their guests. And as Rajesh was saying, you know, we want our teams to be focusing on what they do really well, which is dealing with the guests. Yeah. And so, you know, that we've clearly seen over the last six months hotels investing considerably in technology. 
Yeah. Rajesh, an opportunity just to ask you that question as well. In terms of that, you know, have you leveraged technology given the fa what you're facing in terms of labor restrictions and uh, sourcing of labor? Have you considered ways that technology can, can take away some of those uh, tasks that are the mundane uh, tasks? Absolutely. I mean, you know, as far as you can, I mean, let's not forget we are in one, the hospitality business and we're in a very physical business. Yep. So there are limitations of what you can do um, without completely destroying the customer experience. But for instance, you know, uh, we invested in online check-in, online checkout solutions that mm -hmm. have made a big difference. You know, a lot of people and the, the pressure on um, reception desks has been materially yes. impacted by that. And in fact, whenever that technology doesn't work and we, you know, obviously it's like any technology that has periods where it's not working well, um, you see a huge impact on the front desk and you forget just how much that used to impact them. Uh, so we've done lots and lots of things like that. You know, um, uh, there were some things we tried which really didn't work. Um, nobody wanted to use an online food and beverage ordering app, really. Oh. You know, we, we, we did it. We invested heavily in it, promoted it. Um, and the take up was small, small, small. Um, yeah. It was really and, and people want to be want to speak to a server. They want to speak to somebody who's going to help them, who's going to mm -hmm. advise them, who's going to you know tell them. Don't worry, your steak will come rare and don't worry, the peppercorn sauce will be on the side and all those sort of stuff. And they don't want to do it but on their on their iPhone. And to be honest, again, this might be something to do with my hair and my age, but I can't read it all on an iPhone, frankly. Not when, not without <laughs> struggling. I mean, and that sounds ridiculous, but it, honestly, it's a, it's a real thing. So, you know, to, to, you know, to try and expand it and stretch it, and it's, it's not a good experience. So that was something that we did do and that we took that away, you know, very quickly. It was just not practical. Yeah, right. yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, look, I, I, just one other thing as well. Rita mentioned earlier on the the um, the positivity around the mice um, business and how yeah. that seems yeah. to be increasing. Um, yeah. Obviously, we, we're seeing the confidence in in leisure picking up, but on the flip side, how Rajesh are you seeing um, the confidence around mice for your area and in your market? Is that something that's picking up, or um, is it still struggling? No, no, no. It's very much picking up. Um, you know, um, in our mix of hotels, we have uh, a couple of properties which are very dependent on mice. Um, and the flip side of that is they're not particularly good at leisure. Um, <laughs> so they were struggling. Well, because, you know, the kind of two things don't often yeah. work very well together. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, and when it was all about leisure travel and not about corporate travel, I know we're going to talk about that in a bit, but, you know, when it wasn't... Um, uh, when that, you know, when, when that corporate, when the leisure travel was all you had, these hotels really struggled. But now the mice business has come and it's come roaring back. I can't yeah. begin to tell you, you know, we yeah. can pretty much, you know, especially on peak dates, it's just a, we give you the price and they take it. It doesn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. They're price inelastic. Mm -hmm. It's all about demand. Can you provide a room for 50 people on when Monday through Wednesday, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, I mean, in fact, I, you know, in preparation for today, I, I sort of dug up some, some of our numbers and I was looking, comparing. So what we do as, as a business, because we have this sort of ridiculous period in the middle where nothing really matched anything else. We, when we look at comparisons to last year, what we do is we compare to the mean of 17, 18, 19 combined. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and that's our only metric to try and get a sense of what's good business and what's not good business. And, you know, if I say, if I look at quarter three, 2022, ADRs up 17%, occupancies down 10.5%, and room highs up 15%. Mm. 
on the mean yeah. of 17, 18, 19. So we are outperforming room hire by 15%. And that's mm. all profit, right? That's all bottom line profit. Mm. Um, so, Absolutely. you know, it's, uh, MICE has really been, you know, a godsend, frankly. Well, that's, that's very good to hear. And in terms of the business travel corporate as well, I mean, you mentioned it before, is that starting to come back? Are you finding that coming back or is it a little slower again? Yeah, that's, and that, you know, and that, I think that's when we're talking about, you know, optimism from you were saying earlier on, and you are you optimistic? One of my worries is that um, the corporate stuff hasn't, the corporate transient has not come back like it, like, like it was. Yeah. If I'm yeah. honest and I sit, you know, in a quiet room by myself, I'm not sure it's ever going to come back like it was. No. Uh, you know, I think what we're yeah. doing today is indicative of that. You know, we've all learned to do this and we're all become pretty good at it, frankly. You know, if I remember yeah. the first meetings you and I had, Andre, when, when the pandemic first hit, and it was really yeah. all over the shop, you know, and, you know, your camera's on, no camera's not on, and can you, you know, and all that stuff. We've learned how to get through <laughs> all of that. You know, we've, we've, we've yeah. relearned a whole new set of skills. Um, and yeah. so I think road warriors are not, you know, bashing the road yeah. like they were because they don't have to. And frankly, they'd rather be home with their family and in the dining room, me doing their sales call than doing it, you know, burning shoe leather. Um, and yeah. also people are not back in offices, really, really, not in the way that they were, and maybe they never will be. Yeah. So if you haven't got people in an office, then you've got no justification to travel to go meet them in the office because they're not there. Yeah. Right. That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we, I, see, we see that our, our, um, our forecasting is that uh, at least 25% of our revenue from transient business is never going to come back. So... That's what we're um, working with, really, as an assumption. Um, and, and trips are shorter. They're very purposeful. And then sustainability is being tied in as almost a, a hook or a reason as well for traveling less. So yes, there, there sure. is the economics, there's the technology, and, and there's sustainability. On the other hand, what we have seen in our group inquiries is that um, internal meetings within the same company have taken a larger share of our group business. So um, not really, con well, conferences as well, but our corporate clients and our agencies are working more with in-person meetings within the same company than they were two years ago. So it really has shifted. And this type of business for our hotels means that they have to pivot with other venues than meeting rooms, for instance. So they've had to become a lot more inventive on what they do with the groups mm. because it's clearly not that conference, um, you know, traditional meeting, uh, one day conference and then out. Mm. So mm. Okay. They have to become a lot more creative on property, um, obviously holding on to these groups on property, but also being a lot more creative as to what they're offering these groups. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, great. We've got a question. Traditional road warrior yep. is shifting. Yeah, I think it is too. Before we continue on that, I just want to come back to the my section because we have a question from Anna Hoyer from uh, HSMA. Anna, thanks for joining us. Great to see you here. Her question is, do you see this mice pickup also as a long-term uh, prospect? She feels that it's really a short-term business at the moment. So what are yeah. your thoughts? Let's, uh, Rajesh, you're, you're shaking I, your head. I, I, yeah. I don't agree. I think this is a, this is part and parcel. This is the other side of that same thing that we've just talked about. 
I think, and what we've seen when we discuss it with, with companies, is that because people are at home, because people are not in the office, because you know they don't have that same thing, what they're, they're struggling to do is to try and maintain corporate culture. It's a mm. big, big deal. It's a big challenge. Yeah. And it's a right. big challenge also with people, you know, when there's a churn of, of people in the company. Because I think for an, to an extent through the pandemic, a lot of companies traded off the back of the investment they'd already made in the corporate culture with the people who had been there all the time. Longer. And they'd been there longer. And they already knew the culture. They knew the people. They had the infrastructure. They had the, the, the mindset. And as you bring new people into the business, how do they get that? You know, it's very, very difficult to impart when they're sitting in their pajamas and in their in their bedrooms, right? It's really, yeah. really hard. You know, I've, I've, yeah. I've got, I've got, you know, uh, uh, kids who are just kids, whatever, young adults who are just starting in their careers. One is a lawyer, one is an insurance broker, and you know, when they and they they're struggling to get to get in with the corporate culture because they, yeah. in fact, they they now drive themselves to go to the office, and they're going more often than most of their peers, just so they oh. get. A sense of biz, being in, in, a, in, a, in a working environment. How do they learn how to manage a, a legal file if they're not, you know, if they're not there? So anyway, yeah. so you know, so really, I think the my stuff, you know, we see a lot of companies doing socials because they yep. want to just get people together. They have yeah. any excuse to have a meeting, so they get people exactly. in a room and they drag them back. And I mm -hmm. think that's here to stay. I really do. I feel that's Definitely. the that's the flip side of not having yeah. and the money that they invested in heating, lighting, and renting an office space is going to go into this. Absolutely. And things like this. And we see it in terms of sales missions at Great Hotels of the World. We organize over 20 sales and missions events throughout the year for our hotels. And our clients, whichever country they're in, are all more social, meeting us outside of the office because half the time there is no office. They, they're still working. We're still networking, working. But it's the whole thing has become a lot more social. And it's, it's been a very, very quick shift. And, and I, would add, um, I would add, Rajesh, that um, this shift towards um, more technology at work, et cetera, is only going to increase because of the younger generations moving in. Because for them, this is the normal. And, for sure. You know, so I think, um, personally, I'm on sort of the other end because I'm middle-aged. But um, I see anyone under the age of 30, for them, this is the normal. So mm. um, I think they're going to drive, drive this way of working, of traveling, um, of, of booking, of, tech, of embracing technology, um, because it's, it's just a, uh, you know, a generation thing as well. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. I think there is a shift perhaps in the whole corporate culture and the way yeah. what we're used to what corporate culture is, is, is changing. Rajesh, you mentioned your children. Very, very similar. My son as well. He's um, a, a, in his 20s and working for a big firm. Um, and he's hardly ever been into the, into the office uh, since he's been in this role. And he's done it now for two years. But he's yeah. hardly been in the office. It's all remote work. And um, it's... You know, if that's the, the basis or the beginning of his career, then that's an interesting starting point, isn't it? Because yeah. it'll be difficult to catch it always up. going in. And it'll be difficult to catch it up, Andre. That's the thing, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very difficult to learn once you've unlearned it or have never that's learned right. it. 
That's right. That's right. All right. Let's let's keep going. Let's not get stuck on that one. I'd like to touch on direct <laughs> bookings a little bit because yep. we've seen direct bookings increase significantly over the, the last two years or so. And in terms of trends, that's, you know, really emerged from the, the pandemic that we've come out of. So, yeah. And I say come out of because I do believe we are out of it. It's unsurprising, though, that hoteliers continue to hold their direct distribution as you know, a top priority. And the, this edition yeah. of the report has reflected that and shown that. Now, yeah. in recent months, it's also seen an increase on the focus of prioritizing sustainable tourism. So, Rajesh, I'd like to ask and get your opinion on what do you feel are best practices that hotels should be implementing to not only maintain and strengthen their direct distribution, because I think that's a that's a channel that's worth doing and, and everyone sees the value of that now more than ever, but also to speak to the market demand for social, economic and environmental sustainability. What are your thoughts yeah. around that? Well, I mean, in, in terms of direct, um, clearly, you know, it's been fantastic that we finally had the ability to um to 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 challenge uh the otas um you know they are the frenemy you know we we love them <laughs> and we hate them all at the same time um and that's kind of a difficult place to be um but you know the the the, the move towards direct has been really useful i think we need to be realistic I, you know um otas are fantastically good at localization and distribution at marketing expenditure they they kick ass with all all hoteliers that i've ever met frankly um and so you know i think that's and i think we have to accept that that's part and parcel that's part of the game that's okay so what we have to do is focus on what we're good at and we're good at rich content you know i've seen that michael uh, madison's on this you know we use things like menu yeah. modo to manage our, our menus and that sort of stuff you know we try and do all sorts of you know we have the ability to book direct uh, a reservation table you know, a table for dinner or whatever it is off our website. You can't do that off an OTA website. Um, you can't get to see all the different offerings, all the, you know, so what we have to focus on is making our websites really rich in content to make it attractive and make people want to find it and use it and book it and, and, and make reservations through it. Um, and so that's what we focus on in all the time, all the time. How do we make it more, you know, more, more a richer, richer experience than, you know, a standard double for two people in 13th out 17th, which is what booking would focus on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but in terms of also the sustainability piece and the market demand around that, because we're seeing an increase, especially from a younger generation of traveller, there seems to be this emphasis on the environmental and as well as economical sustainability. Yeah. Is that something that you're also seeing across your... Yeah, yeah, yeah we are. And I mean... It's, it's funny. In fact, I, I sort of tasked my, my senior team to say, you know, that sustainability is now a marketing issue and no longer a, a business, you know, general business issue. It's now a real marketing thing. We have pushback from all of our corporates. They want to know what we're measuring, how we measure it, what the trend lines are. We get it from our banks, you know. I mean, I was, ex you know, extraordinary thing but you know our bankers are saying what is your sustainability strategy what are you doing to manage these things down yeah. um, and what are you doing to look after the planet which they would never have concerned themselves about five years ago frankly not at all at all, yeah. at all. Um, yeah. and so you know I think um, uh, that's you know been really good we've now you know we're we for those uh, hotels where the locks will support it we've now moved to a or we're moving to a wooden key instead of a plastic key 
where the RFID is inserted in the RFID circuitry is inserted in the piece of wood and not the piece of plastic. Um, We have, you know, do not disturb signs, which are all being made out of wood and will be reusable. We have moved to um, a situation where we ask customers if they want the room service, we don't assume. Um, And and that's a, by the way, that's a labor cost issue as well as a other cost issue, as well as it's a sustainability (laughs) thing. It's a win, win, win. Um, But, you know, for a lot of people, um, these things are important. Um, And so, uh, and it hasn't been without its challenges because there's some sectors, some markets, some cultures where these things have been really difficult and people are really pushed back. I mean, the whole cleaning the room thing, certain markets, Mm. you know, they don't care that you've told them, you've asked them to tell you. They just assume you're going to do it. And when they don't do it, they really kick off. So it's had its challenges. There's no doubt. Yeah, it has yeah. not been easy. Yeah. We have a question um, from from Leah, my 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 colleague, Leah. Thank you for the question. But we also have a question from Michael Madsen. Michael, I haven't forgotten you. I will come back to you. But I just, <laughs> while we're on this on this piece, I just wanted to bring this up because I remember as well when we had a conversation some time ago. You mentioned that you'd finally managed to get rid of all of the plastic wrap breakfast items and the amenities, and now obviously with COVID, you had to go back to wrapping everything. Oh. My God, it was. How, how's your take now on the industry's performance regarding sustainability today? I mean, you've just explained what you've done, which is it sounds amazing. It sounds really, really good. But where do you see, you know, the the others, and and what's the? How do you see the industry overall performing around that? Okay, you know, you know, I think you know, I've emphasised the things we've done well. Let me tell you, we've done a whole lot of things really, really badly, um, and some of them are to do with a lack of capital to invest because yep. some of the things take a proper, you know, significant capital investment. Um, and uh, some of them are about changing mindsets and all sorts of things. So, you know, I can't pretend that we haven't got a lot of things wrong. I think as an industry, and, you know, I, I think, I think we, it's a reality of life. Um, we focus on doing those things, which we've seen as having a direct economic impact to the business, a positive economic in- impact. And so some of the nicer do's that we would have probably have, have focused on before, we can't afford to do them. We just don't have the, 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 the profit capacity to, yeah. to allow that. And so, you know, I think, you know, so trying to manage, I mean, at the moment, I've just spent two hours with a, with a boiler engineer, you know, that's part of the joys of being a, an owner entrepreneur and, you know, to talk to me about, you know, how yeah. we're going to get a new, new boiler for X thousand pounds, but it's going to produce a 10 to 12% increased efficiency in our energy cost and we'll yeah. get that back within 12 months so yeah. it's a no-brainer you know of and it's course. that kind of stuff so that's so that's sustainability and it's economically smart thing to do yeah. um yeah. so yes a lot of the plastics leah you'll be glad to know we managed to get rid of a lot of those plastic wrapped things which were disgusting anyway from a customer <laughs> point of view but, but also good. customers Thank don't you. want it right they didn't, I mean, you know, they didn't want, and we used to leave bags of, I mean, you know, it feels like it happened to somebody else, but we used to leave bags of plastic gloves at the beginning oh. of a buffet counter yeah. so could, people could to glove themselves. Yeah, I remember so that, that they too. Could, yeah. You know, I mean, it just sounds like it happened to a different person. It's so weird. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, we've done some things well and some things badly. I think, yeah. you know, economic realities mean that some things that we should probably do as an industry we're not doing because they're just economically too expensive yeah and i think we're not at a position where those nice to haves are going to get done yet okay now coming coming back to 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 michael's question michael thanks for your patience question for you rajesh regarding technology are you looking for the swiss army knife solution uh that solves all problems or do you look for best of breed and mesh the different tools together 
Well, and where do first your of all, inspirations come from? First of all, I think we kind of know that the the Swiss Army knife version of technology just doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Um, and if it, if it was there, maybe we would. But um, um, you know, uh, it's 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 not it's 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 not there. And we, and we've always gone for best of breed as, as, as you know as with, within our means. Um, and so yeah, we've no. It definitely has to be best of breed. Um, and that's part of. And it's interesting. Sally's on, and uh, you know, I think. Um, I watched her video yesterday about uh, property management systems. Yep. Um, she's done a really good uh, YouTube, so shout out to Sally for that. Yes, um, thank you for joining us, Sally. Lovely to see you here. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things is about, you know, the capabilities of what your property management system will allow you to connect to um, and legacy technologies and some platforms are more open and some are less open and all that stuff that we all kind of know. Um, and so, you know, we, as within what we have, what our infrastructure will allow, it's always about best of breed and not about Swiss Army knife because it doesn't exist anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Good to know. Um, I just like to add a bit about sustainability here. Yes, please, um, Rena. We've at great hotels of the world, we've obviously been supporting our hotels with their sustainability initiatives and, what we've done, because everyone is in the same boat, i.e. Um, business is back with a vengeance and short-staffed, um, is we focused on sustainability that the client values and sees. And we started off actually by getting our hotels to create within their group requests and events um, sustainable initiatives. And just a really simple, not simple to execute, um, but amazing, uh, Elunian hotels in Spain. In one of them, they have, um, because they support uh, the Foundation for the Blind in Spain, they're very, very um, angled towards that. And what they do is for their group, it's part of your, your normal group proposal that you can have uh, a blind dining experience um in on property so in the hotel whether it's a breakfast um you know a, a lunch or a dinner or whatever so they've really brought um their their particular sustainability angle whether it's economic or social or you know environmental into their operations and client facing and and that really has made a difference because we've all seen corporate rfps for the last six or seven years asking hotels what they do in terms of sustainability. And it's just a yeah. never-ending story. You can't yeah. possibly rank everything you already do, right? But to be honest, Rita, I think the difference that we're experiencing is that, yes, those questions have been there for, as you say, yeah. five, six, seven years. Now they're mandatory. Nobody cared. Yeah. You could put anything you like. You could write, you know, copy and paste a piece of some sort of novel yeah. and nobody would even notice. But now you they can't care. Anymore. And you really can't anymore. Yeah, there's a social yeah. shift about it, isn't it? There's, there's more yeah. of a social awareness and a cultural yeah. awareness around that entire And, uh, and they've got their own CSR policies and ESG yeah. and whatever the Follow. latest acronym is that yeah. they've got Absolutely. to fulfill and they've got to show that they're fulfilling it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's so. really simple things like they ask you how their delegates or their employees go from the airport to your hotel in the, in the most environmentally friendly way. Yeah. You know, that's something they wouldn't ask the hotel a couple of years ago. Right. And now they do. Yeah. So yeah. you're expected to really engage with your clients um, with their priorities 
and their concerns, you know, and it's, as, as you're saying, and it's mandatory. I mean, yep. absolutely. Yeah. All right. Very good. We are coming towards the end of our time, guys. So I just, I have one other point that I know Rajesh is very, very dear to your heart. And I'd like to bring this up while we have the opportunity. But before I get there, just a fresh reminder to everybody that's watching. Um, if you'd like a copy of this report, Leah will put again into the comments the link where you can download it and you can review it and have a look at it in your own time, um, as well as the link for the survey for the next report. So if you're a hotelier watching and you'd like to see the survey, please feel free to um, also uh, go to that link and contribute to the survey because the more important data that we get, the more rich and, and informative the reports are. Okay, very good. So now one other point that I'd like to just cover before we finish up is the staffing crisis, Rajesh. We, you know, we spoke about this before we came online and, and I know that this is something that you've already brought up. Um, now, obviously you say you've, you've said now for some time that it's a, a needed industry level focus on making um, people understand what a fantastic and brand-based career opportunity hospitality can provide today. And I think especially young people. So people coming in that are maybe unsure of what they want from their careers, maybe even looking for opportunities in, in different areas. You know, what is it that ho hospitality as a whole, not just generally hotels, but hospitality, because it covers so many different areas. What is it that we can bring to, to them and their careers and how can they best benefit from it? And there's one question I'd, I'd like to ask is, you know, how do you feel as an industry overall how can we best communicate this message to the next generation? Because I know it's something that the schools focus on. The, the, the hotel schools are, are looking at are trying to encourage more of their graduates to stay in the industry. I mean, if we spoke, we've spoken with, you know, uh, Hotel School La Hague and, and EHL, and they've both set, told us that it's, I think, and now my, I have to check my memory, and I could be wrong <laughs> here, but I think it's about 70% of their graduates yeah. leave the industry. I think now, it's even worse, worse than that, even. But yes, that's that's, that's a. I, I I kind of my, my heart kind of implodes when I hear that. That's a yeah. devastating number because I just think to myself, how much talent are we losing, and why can't we as an industry maintain them? Why can't we keep them engaged and keep yeah. them interested? So I mean, I think I think with the hotel schools, I think we have to accept that to an extent they've really become business schools with a focus on hospitality yeah. as opposed to. Um, hotel schools, like in the in the in the old traditional sense, you know, I think they they get a lot more business savvy um, and uh, and and that sort of thing, which is why that they have the they, they see the, the world very differently to to maybe they used to. Um, yeah, I, I think that, and I don't know how we communicate this, and it's one of my the reason one of the things I recently asked we can add it to the to the to the chat mm. is that somehow as an industry, hospitality in general, not just hotels, agreed. We have to persuade people that we are a fantastic opportunity for those, particularly for those who didn't school well, right? And I think yeah. that's where the hotel schools kind of move away because they've become very selective and people are very highly qualified are going to hotel school and they, they see world in a very different way. But, you know, if I look at the, the, the guys who do really, really well in our industry, they're the ones who didn't really come with a ton of education. Yep. For whatever reason, opportunity, they weren't interested, school wasn't for them, they might have had a learning difficulty or dyslexia or whatever it might be. But, you know, what they can achieve within the hotel industry is absolutely phenomenal. And we see it over and over again. And how many CEOs talk about how they started as a busboy or they started you know, carrying mm -hmm. bags and all the rest of it? It mm -hmm. happens all the time. It does. And so, you know, I think we need as an industry to be better at promoting ourselves to persuade people that that it is a great opportunity, especially for those who haven't had a classical education 
um, that they can move up the ranks very, very quickly. You know, as a, you know, in, when we were talking about this before the session started, you know, how many industries will allow you to become a supervisor in six months, a manager in 12, you know, a, a, a senior manager within 24? It doesn't happen in most other industries. They, they, you just stay there for two, three years, you do your time, you tick the box and you move on to another company, you might give you that promotion. And that's, you know, where it happens in a lot of other industries. Um, also, and also, say, yeah, sorry. No, I was going to say, and the other thing is, you know, that we're multidisciplinary. You know, and I think that's another thing that we're so bad at persuading, persuading people about or explaining to people. You know, when I tell them that we employ IT engineers and accountants and HR executives and, um, you know, uh, guys who know about uh, hotel, you know, um, heating and, and, and air conditioning systems. And so it goes on and on and on and on, on where there's this huge, huge, huge plethora of, of skill sets. It's not just about the guys who we see as the front line, who are very important. Don't get me wrong. But there's so many people behind them that you just don't see. Mm. And there's so many opportunities in virtually anything you're interested in doing. Hotels can provide you an opportunity if you haven't found the thing. And it's very friendly. It's a massively social, you know, how many, you know, everybody will can tell you stories about the hotel teams going out for a night out. It happens. Yeah. I mean, our teams, you know, sometimes three, four <laughs> nights a week, you know, yeah. and because uh, yeah. it attracts people who are very people, people, people. Yeah, exactly. Social. Yeah, anyway, yeah. There you go. I get off my soapbox, but that's what I. No, do. no, no. It's 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 all very it's all very good uh, good uh, input, uh, Rajesh. Uh, Rita, you wanted to also make a. Yeah, I just wanted to say that um, as Rajesh was saying, the multidisciplinary I think is a, a really strong point, and mm. also something which I think is particularly appropriate for the younger generation is that it's very varied. There is no monotony. So, with anyone below the age of twenty-five with a short attention span. Um, Bring them in. We'll, have to, we'll look after them. We'll love them. We love them, and they will naturally love the variety of hospitality. It's, yeah. it's. I mean, no day is the same as the previous one, and I think correct. that's a huge advantage in today's world. Correct. Um, correct. Yeah, I think it's very important to look for 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 candidates or younger people, especially if yeah. they don't have the experience, which a lot of young people don't. Then look for people that have the soft skills. You know, people yeah. that have a willingness to want to learn yeah. and to quickly you know, yeah. you know pick up the skills of a new job. And mm -hmm. as you said, you know, Rajesh, a lot of people learn by doing as opposed to learn by studying. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think well, that's most people probably. But Accor, yeah. Accor just moved away. They did their first job fair with no CVs. They did away with the CV. Yeah. Which I think yeah. is a huge um, step forward, right? They want to meet people and yeah. to understand what, make them what makes them tick yeah. rather than looking at a CV. You know. Exactly, exactly. And I, I also think, you know, the industry has obviously done a lot of perhaps reflecting as well around working conditions, um, yep. the pay, the hours, and perhaps the lack of work-life balance is also plays a role. Um, but I think, as I said, as an industry, we've done a lot of reflecting around that. And I think yeah. on, the, on the flip side of this, that we're only going to see more positivity come from it and, and yeah. more advancements in those areas. So I think in many, many ways for, for young people, it's a great opportunity for, for people to get involved now um, in the industry. And really, as you said, Rajesh, you can, you can promote, you can get promoted very quickly if you show, um, you know, aptitude and if you're someone that's very keen and, 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 and willing to put in the effort, you, you go a long way. Hard work and soft skills are the two key things we need. Everything else kind of we can teach you. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. All right. Well, I think on that note, 
Rajesh and Rita. We will call it a day. Thank you both so much for joining us, Rajesh. I, I can't emphasize enough just how much I love having you involved in sessions and, and being a, having you a part of what we do. It really, it really is is great to have you. So thank you so much yeah, for being a part of it. I, and, I really um, enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. So you're very fantastic. Welcome. And, I'm, and I'm happy to hear that things are improving for you and picking up. And let's hope let's hope the economy improves as well for you. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I've moved out of the loft of my house and then back into my office, as you can see. So that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, great, that's, awesome. that's a great move forward. That is. That's a very positive sign. Very positive sign. And Rita, thank you so much for joining and uh, taking Pedro's place today. We really appreciate that, of course. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it as well. Great. Thank you very much. Great to thank see you. Thank you. And to our audience and everybody, as usual, thank you for your support. Thank you for your input, your questions. And until next time, we will say adios. It's bye for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>